You're listening to Arrowhead Radio. Do my prejudices influence communication of the gospel? What is my position as a Christian on mission? Is Christianity compatible with other religious expression? Is evangelism simply white colonization? Do all expressions of faith lead to the same ultimate outcome? We can boldly face the relativism that is influencing missions and overtaking the clear message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Join us as we discuss complex issues facing the local church as it serves Christ in obedience to the Great Commission. This is Mission of the Nations with host Grant Fawcett. Well, we'd like to welcome everybody for uh, joining us today. Uh, we have Mark Dana with us. And, uh, Hello, Grant. Morning, Mark. How are you? I'm, I'm doing okay. That's good. It's great to have you here. And uh, we're going to discuss a very important topic uh, okay. this, this morning. Yep. Uh, it's one that uh, I think oftentimes, um, even with a well-meaning uh, evangelistic approach, we sometimes do a disservice to. And uh, sometimes we misrepresent altogether, but, uh, and it's tied very closely to the holiness of God. Yes. Um, but Very uh, important subject. Yeah. yeah the, the topic we're going to look at is sin. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so I've asked Mark to, to join us and, and walk us through a discussion, a biblical discussion on sin and how that applies to uh, cross-cultural missions. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So one of the things I've noticed, I don't know if you probably noticed it too, is like we had discussed this, is that what seems to be a sin in one culture is not even considered a sin in another culture. Mm, yeah. So you used to have to kind of ask questions like, how could that be, right? Well, if you took a sort of a standpoint of, well, we're, we know better than them, then we would say, well, they don't know. So we have to correct them on that point. Right but we have points that we don't see. So I think, I believe that that the uh, theme of sin is a much bigger, much bigger subject than we sometimes uh, portray it, right? Yeah, and I think that sort of tacitly we don't realize that our culture influences the way we understand the gospel sometimes. And that, I think, influences how we understand sin and yeah. even here in the Maritimes in Atlantic Canada, there's an idea about sin that might be different than maybe Ontario. So you you even have regional cultural differences, and and I don't know, you know, maybe the the fifty word fifty dollar word of the day might be ethnocentricity. Would that okay. ap- would that apply to this? Do you think? Well, I think we're all like that until we actually get in contact w- with the perspective of the scriptures and find out that that is not a real solid view. Right. And that is seen a lot in the life of Israel mm-hmm. because they had a tendency towards ethnocentricity and God was not really pleased because they were not supposed to just be a light for themselves. They were supposed to be a light to the nations. Right. So why don't we define ethnocentricity for people who don't have the $50 word of the day um, ca- calendar that I have? <laughs> you know, I had a definition for that. And just recently, and I, I can't think of that particular definition except the fact that we, we have a tendency to judge 
everything or to perceive everything from our own cultural perspective. Mm -hmm. So when we look at another culture, we're seeing it through the eyes of our own. Mm -hmm. So that means their values, which are sometimes different than ours, it's almost like a hierarchy of sins, you could say. Like, if we value right and wrong, morality, mm-hmm. like something is either right or it's wrong. Mm-hmm. That's very important to us. Mm-hmm. And then we look at another cu- culture and they value relationship. Mm-hmm. Then we have a tendency to say, in ethnocentricity, well, they don't care about sin because, look, they're tolerating things it's not right, it's not wrong. Like we're looking at and saying, it's not right what they're doing. Right. But in their eyes, they believe that relationship's so important that you have to preserve that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes with the, the right and wrong part, it's more in their eyes, it's like, I've got to protect this person's value, mm-hmm. so therefore we will do this. Mm-hmm. But that's where sin comes into both of the camps, right? Mm-hmm. Or all of the camps. Mm-hmm. Because only God is a real uh, discerner of right and wrong. Because that goes way back to the origins of sin, right? Right. And that was like when, uh, when Satan, he actually made God look shady, mm-hmm. untrustworthy, mm-hmm. and told the... Adam and Eve, that if they ate of that tree, they would know right. what's good and evil. Mm-hmm. So we sometimes, we could get mixed up in that and think that, oh, I really know what's good and I know what's evil. Mm-hmm. And be, being dogmatic on that could cause us to, well, break relationships over what I think is right yeah, and not necessarily upholding the fact that we are... To love one another, right? Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting and it's a, it's a really huge conversation, but we've walked through something similar to that recently in a local church. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had discussions as elders in the church about the relationship between unity and theology. Mm-hmm. And, and at what point um, do, we, do we value unity over theology and, and what role does unity play in our community as a church because we as western christians have come at the whole situation with an individualistic perspective mm-hmm. we're thinking about what we think about and that's informed by ethnocentricity and it makes us want to be right and have it our way but scripture calls us to to be unified in christ to allow the holy spirit to direct our unity and and there's a point at which we need to be unified and, and overcome some of those things that we think this thing's a sin mm-hmm. and they think it's not a sin and we've got to come together in unity under Christ yes. anyway. And, uh, and having that conversation then expanded to a cultural level or a regional level really takes it further. But I think at the core is where we're, where we're getting our truth. Mm-hmm. Where does the information come from? Because we could even go on another rabbit trail and talk about sin denominationally. Because I think different denominations will have different ideas about what's okay. Um, Marcus and I were recently traveling in Ontario. And in Ontario, there were, the region we were in, there were a lot of Mennonite communities, horse and buggies, and, and they have a different idea of what's sinful. Mm-hmm. But as we sat in a restaurant, 
in uh, southern Ontario, uh, a group of Mennonite girls came in and ordered beers and had beers, yeah. right? And so that kind of was outside of my understanding of what they consider sin or yeah. what's acceptable. And so there's a real big conversation about, you know, where are we getting our our truth? Is it yeah. tradition or culture? Or? Context too. When we think of native context, when it comes to drinking, uh, if we had the liberty, like I'm not saying I have the liberty because I have my reasons why I abstain. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a family reason mm -hmm. because of alcoholism in my family and mm -hmm. because of my context. My my dad hated the hated the idea of alcohol because of his father and all that. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's where I stand on that. But other people have a different perspective. It's always been a part of their family and it's been a, a good thing. But if I'm in the presence of someone who has alcoholic problems in them, there's no way that I could sit there and, you know, mm -hmm. drink a beer and they, they're feeling totally uncomfortable. So it's a question of really uh, respecting and loving our, our brother. Right. And that's not to, I've seen the other way where we always had to think of the weaker brother. You know the verse in uh, Romans that that talks about, you know, we sh if we're the stronger brother in the sense of having more liberty in what we can do and what mm -hmm. we don't do, mm -hmm. and not destroying our weaker brother. Mm -hmm. Well, I've seen it to the in, in a lot of times where the weaker brother was the one that set all the rules for everybody. So you know what I mean. Well, you oh, offended yeah. me because you did that, and you offend me because you're too wide in your. And I don't believe in that either because I do believe that we're free mm -hmm. and we're mature and we can make these decisions. Uh, well, and, and essentially to. that weaker brother who's saying you're offending me is saying, and, and if they're using that argument, yeah, they're saying their relationship with God is not what it should be. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know if that's a particularly healthy. So it's like a growth thing. Yeah. We've got to, we've got to grow together and respect one another. Yeah. Um, and honor one another. And ultimately God's glory has to be at the center of all our decisions. But right. it's interesting when we make rules mm -hmm. for ourselves, like the Mennonites, I mean, not to pick on them too much, but they'll drive a black car mm -hmm. as long as there's nothing shiny on it. And there's, there's, uh, my understanding is they can't have a radio. So, you know, those are very specific rules that they've established. I dealt with some folks, some Amish folks one time for material for the camp and they could have a phone on Thursdays. You know, and, okay. and all the rest of the days of the week, it was sinful to use the phone. Right. You know, so it's a very interesting. Yeah. And when you think of it, uh, I've heard like an Inuit man and he was talking about his journey. He's, he's a believer now mm -hmm. and he remembers the, the leaders of his denomination telling people what was sinful dress mm -hmm. and what was sinful practice. Mm -hmm. back in his time and as the as the civilization as things changed right as uh, people adopted new ways of dressing and new ways of um, acting and all that mm -hmm. all of a sudden there's this this religious leader and he's dressed like the way he was telling people not to dress mm. so this person's saying well what did sin change he told me that was sin, but now they're accepting this. Right. And so I guess that has to do with, we're looking at sin as an outward manifestation. Like we're looking at somebody's dress or what 
car they drive mm -hmm. or if we can go really far with that mm -hmm. till we get really nitpicky and well in Galatians like right um, it says you you bite and devour one another right Galatians 5 which that is like to me the bigger sin because mm -hmm. we're we're called to love one another and love God and love one another I think mm -hmm. at the heart of the opposite of sin is to love God mm -hmm. and to love our brother mm -hmm. Now that goes way beyond what I think. Mm -hmm. So I'm not the judge in that. Right. And I, that's where that verse, you know, we like to, we people hear all the time, judge not, judge not, don't judge me, don't judge me. Yeah. Which I can understand because it's so easy to do and people do it all the time. It's not just the church that does it. Mm -hmm. But the church, I think it's more serious because Christ has called us to love our brother. Right. And if we don't love our brother, then it even goes to say, how is it the love of God is in you? Or how are you really a believer if you don't love your brother? You, right. it's, it's like it's, those two can't be separated. You right. can't love God and not love your brother. And then we have to look at love from a biblical definition. Definitely. Right? Because so oftentimes love enables, worldly love enables. Right. And I think gospel love points to Christ. And sometimes that means we have to have a hard conversation about sin with someone we love because we love them and we love Jesus and we want to point them to Jesus. And, and that kind of love must be gentle yeah, and restorative, but it can be hard because it's not always received well. And so I think we as Christians have to do the work of presenting well. Mm -hmm. right? Truly loving, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not just because it's mm -hmm. because we and love them. I think that the root of that though has to come from I want to care about you and your sin not because I'm perfect. Yeah. But because Jesus is perfect. Yeah. Right? I I recognize that the depravity of my carnal nature is something I wrestle with. And mm -hmm. the fact that I want to help you wrestle with your sinful nature doesn't mean I think I don't have one. Yeah. It it means that I recognize that Jesus loves me and that he wants me to seek holiness and I can walk with you towards holiness as well. Yeah. And we have to remember that because we're all equal under God's holiness. No one could say, I, I'm justified just because mm. I know this or I do this or mm -hmm. I, I've never done that. Yeah. I love what Joy Nash said uh, when she was interviewed for our other podcast. And she said, he, he loves us not because we're good, but because he is good. Exactly. And I think that that is a powerful, powerful statement. So that being the perspective, whatever we do, we have to remember, we don't want the image or the name of God to be injured in any way. I find mm -hmm. that sin. Mm-hmm. Because when you think of things that are done in the name of Christianity, mm -hmm. we, could, we could easily say, even though we had nothing to do with it, or we might have, or we didn't, but just by association that they say they're Christian, that we could say from the bottom of our heart, we're sorry. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I'm sorry is because Jesus is so good mm -hmm. 
that if I do something or someone else does something to make his name look bad, mm -hmm. then you know that's not coming from God. Mm -hmm. It's either coming from that person's flesh or it's coming from, well, we go back to the garden and we know who was the one that was out to get, bring God down, mm -hmm. to make him look shameful, to make him look untrustworthy. Mm -hmm. And there's people I've talked with, like I've been in chaplaincy, and their image of God was totally crushed because mm -hmm. somebody who claimed to be a representative for God mm -hmm. had done horrible things to them. Mm -hmm. So how do they look now to God and see the difference? Right. They can, but it's going to be that much harder, right? Mm -hmm. I think we have to help people recognize that just because someone says, I represent Jesus, mm -hmm. doesn't mean that that's actually a fact. And the New Testament gives us a number of places where we can examine ourselves and observe others mm -hmm. to know if they really are representing Jesus. Galatians 5, you referred to, um, gives us the fruit of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. The fruit of the Spirit being taught in relationship to legalism at the beginning of that chapter. So the, the idea that you had to do certain things to follow Jesus, and Paul yeah. responded with, no, if you want to follow Jesus and know that he is leading you, check your heart for these things. Mm -hmm. Love, joy, peace, patience, right. long-suffering, self-control. These things... Those are the, the fruit of the Spirit. They show that that Spirit is in you, and we can see that in other people. And I think when we observe that those things are missing, we can talk to them about that. Where is, where is the center of your faith? Yeah. Is and when you look, look at that, going way, way back, like, okay, when mankind broke the relationship with God mm -hmm. and sided with his enemy, mm -hmm. at that point, there was no redemption in me or in, our, in the humanity. Mm -hmm. But then you see right away, Christ, God, reacting and and providing you know skins for them mm -hmm. through obviously an animal had to die, which really pointed to Jesus coming right mm -hmm. way back in the very beginning mm -hmm. in the Old Testament. Yet symbol of death, so yeah, symbol of for, for co covering. Mm -hmm. You know, when it's not a question of uh, me covering myself or me doing what. When you put a garment on you all you do is just accept it and put it on mm -hmm. and it's not has nothing to do with your righteousness or goodness or anything else you just mm -hmm. put it on so that's i uh, faith is like that so sin i guess is i don't guess but i i i can see sin as the opposite of faith mm -hmm. because faith is putting tr our trust in god's character mm -hmm his faithfulness, his goodness, his wisdom, mm -hmm. all the things that we need, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that that leads into a really interesting conversation, and I don't want to steer away from where we are, but the, the biblical definition of belief and faith, mm -hmm. those words have specific definitions in Scripture, and yep. when we look at that, they're, they're functional, they're, they have an action in our lives. So it's one thing to say, I believe in God. Yeah. It's another thing to say the biblical definition of belief, which is evidenced by a new nature. Mm -hmm. We are new creatures. We have new affections. Yeah. And that, that faith is evidenced by that change. You know, it says mm -hmm. in 
James, I think it is, that faith without works is dead. Yeah. And that's what, that's defining faith. Yeah. That's what that's doing. Faith is followed through by works that we can only do because the Spirit gives us the ability to do them. And then I'm thinking of relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, without a relationship with God, we could say we're Christians because we follow the Bible. Mm -hmm. But without that real relationship with God, mm -hmm. it's not authentic. Right. And then some people, and we all do it, I believe, but some people have in this culture today, they've kind of separated out. I have my belief in God, my theology, mm -hmm. but it doesn't affect my relationship with other people. Mm -hmm. And so I find that balance in scripture is that there's our belief in God, but there's our relationship with our brother, our sister, and humanity in general, because God's a loving God. Mm -hmm. And if we are really in relationship with him, we could be in relationship with him, but you know, this pretty strong warnings about people who, who cause division in the body of Christ, mm -hmm. because it, if you destroy the body of Christ, like that's where God dwells. So you're actually scattering. If you do that, you're actually scattering the sheep. And if you do that in your own name or, you know, like there was, there is a place for discussion on theology and mm -hmm. relationships with between cultures and all that. Mm -hmm. That's obvious because that's in the scriptures, right? Acts chapter 15. Right. I think that you've hit on a really important thing there, Mark, because, and I had a discussion about this yesterday with, with a friend of mine, but either we're doing God's work and mm -hmm. we're being obedient to God or we're not. Mm -hmm. there's no halfway so if you're not doing god's work you're doing satan's work so if you're even if you have the best of intentions and you think you're right but you're having an influence that is oppositional to god's work then you may very well be an agent of satan just like jesus said to peter get behind me satan peter in all the best of intentions had become an agent of satan because of his, he was thinking, and, and then he said, Jesus said, you're not thinking in my ways, you're thinking in the world's ways. That's a, that's a good warning, that verse there, because obviously Peter was a child of God. He loved Jesus. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But subtly he was opposing God's plan without really knowing it in a sense. Right. Because God's plan was that Jesus would give himself mm -hmm. as an offering, perfect offering on the cross. And mm -hmm. he was saying, from a human point of view. So that goes on the other side, the human's point. I don't want you to suffer. I don't want, I want you to be the king. I want you to be my king. And he might even be saying, well, if you're my king, I'll be up there uh, sitting, sitting right next to you, right? Right. And we often do what Peter did for others, right? If someone else is in sin, mm -hmm. we, we say, well, we don't want you to suffer. Yeah. And so then we try to become the rescuer instead of allowing Christ to be the rescuer. That's a good point there. Yeah. And, and so we can't compensate for the sin of another person. We need to love them yeah. and care for them and point them to the real rescuer. So, so that's the uh, touching on the enabling part. If you enable people to continue in their sin mm -hmm. to their own harm, when their sin being, I would say in that, they're, they're making decisions that are not in, 
in in line with what God wants, like mm-hmm. going against what they know the scriptures say, mm-hmm. which I believe will always bring consequences. I think it's made to bring consequences, not so somebody's just down. Right. But like we were saying the other day, you know, when a person's um, panicking, they're in full control in their mind. Mm-hmm. If they're panicking, like they're, they're, they're drowning and they're in the water and their mind is on one thing, survival, mm-hmm. right? So they will grab a hold of anyone mm-hmm. and bring them down with them. Right. So in life-saving, you're told that you wait until that person actually gives up. Right. But you're right there. Mm-hmm. You're out of reach. Yeah. But you're close enough that when they let go, you're right there. Right. But we, we sort of, ha- when we were talking about that, you and I, mm-hmm. we, there was an additional story to that, right? <laughs> like, you, yeah, you my told friend, us, uh, yeah. yeah, he actually hauled off and punched someone. But that punch took the man, it surprised him, this person so much that mm-hmm. they looked up at the person that hit him mm-hmm. and he just grabbed them right at that time. Because right. whatever breaks that attention on the only survival there, was enough to save him. Right. And I think, you know, we, we could talk about church discipline and, as the punch, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're actually, when, when we engage in church, biblical church discipline, if we see someone in sin and we go to them, we want to restore them, mm-hmm. which is what church discipline do, is meant to do. Yeah. It's kind of like the punch, brother, you mm-hmm. know, and it's meant to do that and, and then allow us to rescue them with Christ, of yeah. course, but. And all those mechanisms were there in the New Testament. Obviously, we read about them, right? Mm-hmm. And it was probably even more like because of the culture being like the ch- being in the church was was your new family, and there was like it was point final, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, well, I go to this church and I go here, and I get my fellowship with my brother and my sister, and then I get my. It was really like if you are a Christian you're going to identify yourself with God's people. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if you don't show hospitality to someone mm-hmm. that's like a bona fide brother, mm-hmm. that was serious. Mm-hmm. How often w- in this modern, like contemporary culture, would hospitality be seen as not something that, you know, if you didn't show hospitality to a brother, mm-hmm. that would be a serious uh, kind of that. Well, we, we even had a guest here this morning visiting Arrowhead who said th- their family has made a point of having every family in the church over to their home. That's a good, worthy goal. We've forgotten, I think, in, in, within the church that that fellowship of that nature is, is a kind of worship, mm-hmm. right? We, we, we end our worship on Sunday morning, but I don't think that that's how we're meant to understand our relationship with each other and with the church. Mm-hmm. You know, fellowship is is a function of worship. And if we're doing it the way that God wishes us to do it. Let's uh, backtrack a little bit. Um, oh, hello, Venus. Welcome to the <laughs> show. Welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Earlier in the conversation, you were talking about uh, cultures and what mm-hmm. sin is and right. that may not be sin to somebody else. And uh, we have people out there who are doing things that don't realize that it's sin. Mm -hmm. And the definition of sin is doing something that is uh, 
not pleasing to God. Am I correct? Well, I'd say that's a good, good part of the definition. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so some people are going to church and are thinking, well, it's okay to do this and it's okay to do that because the Bible doesn't say that it's wrong to do mm-hmm. it. And can you elaborate on that? Sure. I, I, I have a verse that I just looked up on my phone and... Uh, I think that at the heart of this is, is our nature. We forget that it's our heart that is the root of sin, that, that sin isn't just something that we do. Since the curse, since Adam and Eve, sin is something that saturates us. And it's we, all around us. We require a new heart in order, in order to even begin to overcome that. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus had to become sin because we are sin. We in our lives without the work of the Holy Spirit are everything we do is sin. It was Dave Doherty I think in Bible school who said our greatest deeds are nothing more than splendid sin. Right? We sin in our lives and those things we are not we haven't achieved justification full justification in in death perfection in god but we're in this progressive sanctification god is making us righteous and and it's that process that's different for all of us so i'm going to learn something today that maybe mark you learned 20 years ago about my sin about about how i can be killing that in my life and that venus is where like i think we have to be very careful because it even there's a parable about the wheat and the tares like it's not us necessarily that knows where a person stands in their relationship they can we can see the evidence like if i say i am a die in the wool montreal canadians fan and i never watch a you know i'm watching uh hockey uh but i watch another team you know you can say well you're why are you watching the, you if you're really a die in the wool uh montreal Can- sorry grant i know you're your team came pretty close. But I don't watch hockey. Liz likes the Montreal Canadiens, and I find hockey um, a snooze fest. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had you there. Sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you have to let the two grow up, and then you start seeing the difference. And they're like someone who's like really been born of God's Spirit produces fruit. And somebody who has not, their life stays pretty much the same as everybody else. They never show any fruit. So it's not our place to say, you know, that person is condemned or, but we can try to bring them towards God mm. in one way or the other. Mm. See, I was raised a, by a grandmother and she was very strict mm-hmm. and we had rules to live by and one of them was not to lie mm-hmm. and Another was uh, uh, if you were dating, you never married. You never, sorry, uh, you never date someone who's married because that's adultery. That's a no-no. Mm-hmm. And she stressedly, uh, she stressed that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she used to uh, uh, tell us that uh, women weren't to swear because that didn't look. Uh, good for a woman to be using uh, the colorful language 
And then when I came to the Lord, um, I was never knew nothing about Christianity. And then there's a lot of don'ts in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Don't do this. Don't do that. Can you tell me about some of those? Or tell me about the don'ts. Or is well, it I was w- what you just said there. I was kind of interested in the fact that, well, it's almost like it's bad for a woman to use that kind of language, but I like it might be okay for a man. Mm-hmm. I mean, that exists too in the Bible, right? When you think of the woman taken in adultery, where was right. the man? Right. They brought her as a public example. Right. But the man didn't seem to be in that story. Right. And that's getting right at the same root of what we're talking about, let he that is without sin cast the first stone. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a list of do's and don'ts. Um, I, think, I think there's very specific commands. I mean, we have Christ reiterating the Ten Commandments verbally yeah. through his ministry, mm-hmm. and I think those things are pretty clear. Don't lie, right? Don't murder. Yeah. Uh, have, Some of them are less God. clear, like the Sabbath day. Right. That could be interpreted. Well, I, I think that the New Testament is also full of principles, yeah. Because there was no, there was no movie theater for mm. the New Testament to talk about. But when I grew up, I was taught that the movie theater was a sinful place to go. Mm-hmm. It was a sin to go to the movies. It was a sin to go to dances. Yeah. And those were some of the don'ts that I had been given. Don't play cards. Don't drink alcohol. Like all of that stuff. And as I've grown up and, and the culture has somewhat changed, I've recognized that, okay, there are some movies that I should not put through my eyes. And there are some games that I should not play. And there are some places I should not go. Yeah. But that doesn't that that is rooted in discernment and and my relationship with God and it is not rooted in a list cuz mm. honestly lists are super easy. It is really easy to just follow a list of do's and don'ts and mm. and what I think we've we've tended to do sometimes even with the best of intentions is allow people to think, "Hey, I can be a Christian if I just follow that particular list. Yeah. And and I think we've done a disservice because we've we've taken the relationship with God out of that. They yeah. don't have to pray and and go to God in discernment. Lord, is this a thing I should be listening to? Is is this music that honors you or dishonors you? And then it is it going to help we me just go to the list instead to get and closer to God or is it going to pull me away? That's right. But then the list becomes an idol. And then and idol, idolatry is really important. Like we have to realize that, yeah, that's what we did too. When we walked away from God, we actually became our own, our own gods. Like, mm-hmm. so therefore, instead of loving and serving and obeying God, then we decided we could do all that ourselves. Like what, whatever we wanted, like whatever right. our heart said is the best thing. Yeah. And yet, the Bible is the opposite of that, saying that God knows. And um, when it comes to those, ver- there's a verse in French. Like I remember having been taught that you shouldn't go to such and such a place because if somebody sees you there, they're going to associate you with that. Like if you go to a bar, you might be going there to witness, but don't go to a bar because somebody will see you and then your testimony's finished because they'll go tell everybody that you were drinking and and then your testimony's gone. Mm -hmm. But um, then I looked in like the French version of that same verse. It said, it says, avoid um, every appearance of evil. And that's what I had heard as an interpretation of stay away from places where you are going to look like you're participating in something bad. 
Mm-hmm. And then in, in um, French, that same verse it says, avoid evil in all of its forms. Mm-hmm. T- same verse translated differently, and you come to different conclusions that you avoid evil. Mm-hmm. So evil is something that is not of God, right? So right. you don't want to have anything to do with evil. Right. And then Jesus, when he dealt with people on earth, he wasn't really afraid of his reputation because they called him someone who was a wine-bibber, which I guess in good old uh, Maritimes uh, language would be a drunkard or someone who loved to drink, right? And yet I don't, I know he didn't and he didn't indulge in drunkenness because we have scripture that says, right. Don't be, uh, don't, don't be filled with wine because wine controls your thoughts. Like Mm -hmm. alcohol controls your thoughts. It Mm -hmm. controls your, lets your inhibitions run wild. Mm -hmm. You don't think right, Mm -hmm. but be filled with the spirit. Mm -hmm. And that's the opposite of that because the Holy Spirit controls our thoughts mm-hmm. and focuses on God's character mm-hmm. provides loving, us our faith and loving one another yeah. desire for righteousness patience mm-hmm. it goes back to what you were talking about earlier about what uh, might be sent to someone may not be sent to others like yeah. the English when they sit down to a meal they have a glass of wine mm-hmm. But that's where it stops. It doesn't yeah. go beyond that. They don't go on a drunken stupor. It's just enough just to uh, uh, just to enjoy at that meal. Um, you mentioned um, the word what was that? Uh, I had it at the back of my mind and it slipped. Oh, um, when we have the Holy Spirit come into our life Mm -hmm. discernment is the word Mm -hmm. and uh we have as a young christian back then i had missionaries tell us that's wrong that's wrong that's wrong yeah uh i gave my heart to the lord and and one said you need to quit smoking now Mm -hmm. that you've got the holy spirit living in you and i said well where does it say anything about smoking and so i told them when god tells me quit smoking then I'll quit but that came a year later when I felt inside that that was wrong because whatever I partake of the Holy Spirit is there Mm -hmm. so I one day he said you're done Mm -hmm. and I knew what that meant my smoking and whether we go into places that is not uh, that doesn't look good for our testimony we have the spirit inside to convict us Mm -hmm. And we wonder why there's turmoil there. Well, that's him telling us that that's a place we shouldn't be or we shouldn't do this or we shouldn't do that. Because our hearts are so deceptive, we can actually fool ourselves, right? Yeah. Well, and sometimes God leads people into those places for his glory. You know, and I think of, uh, is it David Wilkerson who went into inner city New York and he went places there that maybe Christians wouldn't go, but he did so for the sake of the gospel. Right. And then that's what Jesus did as well. Right. He was a friend of sinners. I really, I, I like Richard Paul's testimony. He came and shared it here, and you can watch it on our Vimeo profile. Um, but when he talks about when the Lord saved him, he talks about he was watching Jimmy Swagger on TV. 
And he said he didn't know what, what he was doing, but he fell on his face and he cried out to God to save him. But he didn't have any Christians in his life influencing that. And you should really go listen to him tell it because it's a very powerful story. But he said he became the most miserable drunk for the next 11 years. And he didn't know why because he had been a happy drunk the day before. But what had happened was the Holy Spirit had come and was now convicting him about his behaviors and he just didn't have an application for that. And it wasn't until a Christian pointed him to scriptures that he was able to start understanding the work that had begun in him. Yeah. You know, and that that's a part of understanding sin, I think. And understanding sin, it really has to do with understanding God because we can't say what is sin without actually looking at God because if God is good, sin is what we do that is not good. Like if if sin is if God is restorative, he he came to save the whole world. That's why he died on the cross. Um taking all the shame of every person, taking all the wrong deeds, all the the falling short, the selfishness. I think mm-hmm. sin, you could, we could say, is like self-centered. Mm-hmm. We're born with that nature. We think of ourselves, and then we think of others after, right? Mm-hmm. We've got that perspective. Right. And I think it's like, it's God-oriented. Like, we look to God, mm-hmm and put him first Mm -hmm. but idolatry is actually you can be religious and and an idolater i'm not Mm -hmm. talking about any particular denomination Mm -hmm. with what they have for images or anything i'm not talking about that i'm talking about our hearts Mm -hmm. right even the fact of our opinion Mm -hmm. can be an idol that's right if we're not willing to let that be submitted to god's glory Mm And just to keep our mouth quiet and to just, you know, if we speak, mm-hmm. speak for his glory and for the, like a purpose of furthering his kingdom, not to, mm-hmm. you know, say, I got the answer here. Right. Well, and I think we would be remiss if we didn't touch on some of the actual commands in scripture with respect to our own desires. Mm-hmm. When we talk at staff training here for our summer camps uh, um, with the staff, we talk about um, sharing our testimonies or our stories. Mm-hmm. And we talk about our stories in terms of, of being a narrative. My, my life is a story that is being written and it has a main character. Mm-hmm. And if I'm a Christian, the main character of that story is meant to be Jesus Christ. Right? Mm. And if we look, if we look in, the, in the Gospel of Matthew, mm-hmm. it says, if you want to follow after me, you must take up your cross, deny mm-hmm. yourself and follow me. Yeah. Well, what does deny yourself really mean? Mm. And self-denial isn't, isn't necessarily that we have to give up things that God has given us just for the sake of it. It's about an attitude. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about a heart attitude of allowing Christ to be the central figure of my life and not myself. Right. Self-denial is Jesus at the center of my story. Yeah. And, and I think if we if we spent more time thinking in that kind of terms, those kind of terms, I think that sin would be very clear and evident and we would we wouldn't have maybe all the lists. And and that takes it to another level there, because when you think of um Paul said like all things are lawful unto me, mm-hmm. but not all things are edifying. Right. So right. he had a very specific goal of what he wanted to do is glorify God with his life. So he said, this is my 
this is my ultimate goal is to be identified with Jesus and his resurrection and his death and his burial and and that the gospel was really his whole life mm -hmm. so anything he did he had to ask is this going to help the gospel or is it going to hinder the gospel i'm free to do whatever you know possibly mm -hmm. i'm not talking about right the wrong things that are, we know are Clearly wrong seen. like hurting people i don't think you know for the sake of hurting people that, right you know thou shall not kill well and it says in romans paul again what sh what shall we say shall we continue in sin for grace sake like mm. should we yeah see that's right in that so we can't sin for the sake of the gospel Nope. Right. No matter what we might think. And to be reminded that we're still human and That's we're right. not sinless, nor are we sin free. That's but right. all the visible sins are were forgiven. Yeah. And our hearts thought like hate. Mm -hmm. yeah. That according to the scriptures it equals murder. Right. Yeah. And uh but uh we can look good on the outside right. and but our thought life and our so heart... So that's going back to the ethnocentristic part. Like if we cover our sin and then we see somebody who's openly exposing their sin, like, mm -hmm. and we say, oh, look at them. They're worthless. Look what they do. But we, mm -hmm. we're respectable. Right. Well, and, and, and I think there's another aspect to what Venus has just said that we sometimes forget is that if we are forgiven, mm -hmm. so if I have repented for sin, and maybe it's a grievous sin, maybe it was something really, yeah. really bad, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was a small sin relative to murder. Yeah. If I have repented of that to, to God, and God has, I believe God has forgiven me for that, if I go on in guilt, mm -hmm. I'm sinning. Because you're not accepting. Because I'm not accepting his forgiveness. And so sometimes we, we will hold on to our guilt because of whatever it makes us feel. Mm -hmm. And we, we don't accept that forgiveness that God's given us. And that can be sinful in and of itself to not, to not move I forward. I guess what I'm hearing too is like, because we're actually saying that somehow we could have, mm -hmm. we didn't, but we could have done right enough to be right with God, but we didn't. Instead of just saying I can't be right with God, what I did was because of my because of my heart, mm -hmm. I made wrong decisions, etc. Is I take responsibility for that, mm -hmm. but I can't ever expect to experience God's forgiveness right. on behalf of myself, mm -hmm. but only on His behalf. Mm -hmm. What He did for us mm -hmm. in His paying with a perfect life. Even in our personal relationships, we have friends whom uh, say things to us that uh, hurt us, yeah. but yet we don't tell them, uh, Mark, you hurt my feelings. I'm sorry, <laughs> Venus. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> I should have said that before. And, uh, and, but we do that to each other every day. And, yeah. and then um, we don't go to the person and say, well, you hurt my feelings. But instead, I'll go to uh, Sally over here and say, Mark got on my nerves today, and he said this. And, what day was that? And, and he <laughs> uh, really made me angry. Right now, I just don't like him. Yeah. But I'm sinning because I didn't go to Mark and tell him that. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to my friend, and I'm telling her that, and she's going to believe everything I've said about right. Mark right. and and see him as a, as a 
not a very good Christian man because of the way I'd spoken. Yeah. And even in our personal relationships, I think we need to be careful in how we speak to one another, let alone if someone yeah, says true. something. Yeah. And then we go tell somebody else and right. and we just create uh, uh just we create more than what we had planned to create yeah. and the other person will go say, Well, did you hear what Mark did? Mark was yeah. really cruel to Venus and which it wasn't it wasn't that to begin with. It, it was just a word said, but yeah. as it continues on it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and more that's people the get simple involved, right? That's the simple part of uh, of me if I did that to gossip about Mark without having going to him and yeah. saying. And that's kind of overlooked sin, right? Like yeah. It's almost like an acceptable, like, uh, gossip is palatable with a lot of people. It's, a, it's, a re- it's what is sometimes it's called a respectable sin. There's a book called Respectable Sins, and it deals with some of those things that... Yeah. Some cultures have just come to accept because they're quaint or cute and the, the depth and of damage that exists there isn't considered, right? We like to look at adultery as like, that's the worst sin mm-hmm. for a Christian is adultery. Yeah. But that ruins a couple of families, right? Mm. Gossip can damage multiple the, families for multiple the generations. The gospel, I think you can't, that's something we have no right mm-hmm. or... If we touch that, yeah, you think of Peter and Paul, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter, I'm sure it was innocently, mm-hmm. did not quite understand what he was doing in mm-hmm. the context of that whole controversy about whether the Gentiles had to follow all of the customs of the Jews t- in order to be saved and, and sanctified. Mm-hmm. And it w- the, the worst thing was that God revealed to Peter that the Gentiles or the non-Jews that mm-hmm. didn't follow that were actually, he was going to save them mm-hmm. and he did save them already. Mm-hmm. But in his self, he kept drawing back into right. his cultural comfort zone and he was hurting people and mm-hmm. he was hurting the gospel. Mm-hmm. And well, I'm just thinking of how important that was because they actually sat down, the leaders of the church sat down with humility. Mm-hmm. And they told the story from their point of view, mm-hmm. and they came to a reasonable, the Holy Spirit laid upon them a reasonable conclusion to how these two groups were going to fellowship together. What were the lines? So that everybody knew this is the line we've drawn, like the, the leaders have drawn a line. You can, you can do this, but don't do that because that's an offense to the Jews that... That's to them one of the worst sins. Might not mm-hmm. be bad to you, but mm-hmm. to them it is. So don't do that because they'll be very upset, like very uh, offended, scandalized. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, um, the the Jewish people were not to put a, a heavy burden on the Gentiles, and like you're saying, following rules. Like you got to do this. You got to wear this, or if you don't wear that. Then that's that's going to be sin, you know, because mm-hmm. your pastor said that, or your leader said that you have to dress like this. Mm-hmm. It can put a burden of oppression on a person, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And having taken some counseling courses, that's one of the things in cross-cultural counseling. Be very have to be very careful about because the rules of another culture don't always apply mm-hmm. to the culture, like an individualist culture. 
whereas in a collective culture, the people have to, other people have to be involved in this whole decision making. Mm -hmm. So we can, without knowing it, put a, a burden or an oppression on these per people that this, it's a shame mm -hmm. because they're at the point of need at that point. Mm -hmm. And here you're at, they're at a point of need, they're coming to you and your, your solution is actually making it worse. Well, and I, I think that's why we see so much conflict within local churches, Western local churches, because it's a bunch of people who are approaching it individualistically, but it's a, but it's, it's, it's a collective group. The church is the body and the Bible. The New Testament talks at length about what it means to be a part of that body. But if we come at it and we're only thinking of ourselves, then it, it makes it very difficult for us to have that worship of fellowship and that healthy walking towards righteousness and discipline and all of those things that are meant to exist. And I was thinking of it from the point of view, just a second, uh, just one short comment is that when we make a decision, usually we just think, oh, this is best for me and my family. But did mm -hmm. you think about your church? Did mm -hmm. Is it going to be good for your church, what decision you came to? Maybe to move right. away, maybe different things. Do you, do you think of the wider yeah. impact? What? You can say something? Say something? I, I would say, too, that we need to remember Paul's words and we need to examine ourselves in the same kind of way that he did. I am the chief of sinners. Mm -hmm. I am the worst sinner I know. Yeah. And if we look at our own sin as being deeply profound and, and, and influencing our relationship with God, then we will approach our brothers and sisters differently. Yes. And it just goes right back to the basic, and we've heard it here for the past couple of days, the scriptures, to have your uh, time reading God's word. Mm. And if you have questions, search the scripture and... Uh, to just read his word and he will clearly show you uh, what he would expect of you or just to follow him and, and to obey his commands. And I know as people, uh, we like to put our own rules and regulations and this is the way it should be. But uh, most times our basis comes from the scriptures. So mm. if you don't quite understand or believe what one is saying, go to the scriptures, mm -hmm, search mm -hmm. it out because it has all the answers to life in it. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. One of the things, uh, yeah, I remember what I was going to say now is like, um, there's a verse that says, I know no man according to the flesh. Mm -hmm. you, you, you knew them before. Like I knew all Grant. I know Grant, right? Mm -hmm. don't know, we don't need to know each other. Like, oh, that's Grant. Oh, that's Venus. Mm -hmm. I know Venus. I know. It's, it's like, I think it's a discipline to look at somebody and say, Venus is a child of God. That's, mm -hmm. that's the person that God saved. Right. And his spirit is living in her. Mm -hmm. So I have to be careful of uh, how I treat her. Mm -hmm. To build her up mm -hmm. and not to pull her down because right. it's, she's God's child. Yeah, we even talk about that in terms when we're we're talking to our volunteers about how we share our, our testimonies. What you know, testimony is a Christian word for the story of Jesus working in me. Yeah, we try to involve our volunteers in chapel time to mm -hmm. share to share That's stories good. of Jesus oh. working in their lives. Yeah, 
And I think what we, we need to re realize when we're sharing those stories is that that story isn't more or less interesting based on how sinful we were before. Mm. Right? No. Every story of being dead and being made alive by Christ is a good story. Mm -hmm. And the story shouldn't be in extent about how sinful we were, just that we were sinful, but about the work of Christ in us. Mm. Uh, who I am now with the Holy Spirit leading me is who I am. Yeah. That's my identity is in Christ, yeah. not in what I did before. And so right. that's what the story needs to be pointing to is righteousness. I, I believe that uh, uh, one's race in a Christian home that have never had to experience the world yeah. is the greatest testimony, not ever, but it's a really good testimony because they didn't have to experience the world to see God. They didn't have to experience deep sin or deep turmoil in their life to experience God. I think the testimony in itself that God saved, uh, protected you from all that, that you didn't have to do all that. And the testimony in itself is being faithful to God mm -hmm. as a child and walking with him. And, and they have so much to offer mm -hmm. us in, in wisdom and uh, some people say, well, they don't understand because they haven't been through this. Well, that's that might be true to a sense, but they can tell us uh, how God kept them, how they God the protected mm -hmm. protected them, how God uh, redeemed them as as uh, being in a Christian home. They have something to offer us, and they mm -hmm. have the love of Christ. They have love to be able to love us as for who we are. Mm -hmm. I think the burden for people who have had that blessing is recognizing that they, they are the chief of sinners mm. yeah. to them to, they are still the worst sinner they know. Yeah. I'm the worst sinner. I know I grew up in a home where my uh, mother and father taught me young about Christ and I followed Christ fairly young. And the burden for me has been recognizing, no, no, you may not have done this, 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 and this as a teenager. I didn't have a rebellious stage as a teenager that doesn't mean that i'm not the chief of sinners mm. right and then like when you think about the body of christ right as a group of people and there's definitely an in group and an out group because mm. we don't apply the same level of like you said church discipline to somebody that's outside of that group right. but at the same time if you think of it from the point of view of someone who's from a lower status in life mm -hmm. who comes into a church and there's a group of people who are like middle middle class people mm -hmm. the human nature says you know put my hand out like you stay a little bit further you sit there in the back we'll sit here where we've always sat mm -hmm. you sit in the back you work your way into our our and i don't think that's how it should be right i think we should be embracing everyone that comes in whether they're f off the street or but i know that's an ideal but we have to watch that because we like to see ourselves as respectable and other people as less respectful i find that right. sin so yeah no it's really true um absolutely but i mean that's i'm not saying that we're exempt from these things but it's something that christ doesn't he doesn't he's not pleased with that right well and i like we talk about it you know even when we're when we're preparing our staff in terms of pity versus empathy yeah that's really a right? good distinction P pity puts us on a higher yep. rung on the ladder 
but empathy puts us on the same rung on the ladder yeah. and we can care about the fact that maybe they're suffering or maybe they're poor and maybe we have a way to, to carry them along. But if it's pity, then it puts us above and, and, and it can, it can have a negative impact on our ability to share oh, the gospel. Well, no, I guess I just lost my, uh, my status right now. I, was, oh, I had long? the longest <laughs> interview and now I've been, been long. De- I've, wow, wow. Went right past. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to, uh, we're going to just have a final summary of sin and, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up for today. Cause I think we've, we've had a really good discussion. I think we've hit a lot of very important topics that we probably could flesh out for hours and hours and hours. But, uh, but why don't we, why don't we have a, a summary of just one word summary? Well, two words, three sin. Yeah. We can summarize it in as many words as it takes, but but we'll, like, we'll what is, but from not the, an hour mark. What is not sin? one hour? We've, we've looked at a lot of aspects of that. I guess that does reflect that I am part of this conversation, so I can't distance myself. Go ahead. <laughs> Just knowing that Christ has forgiven us by his death on the cross, knowing that we don't have to feel that we have to carry it and that it is forgiven. And to also realize that we are not perfect and we're going to we're going to sin every day, whether it's in thought or whether it's in our heart, Mm -hmm. Uh, just to realize that uh, we've been redeemed and we've uh, been forgiven and we don't have to stay there. Mm. That Christ has forgiven and we don't have to carry it anymore. So following what Venus says, I'm thinking of the fact that thankfulness thankfulness for what christ did mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. me because idolatry is the opposite of that it's, mm-hmm. it's like i will w- turn my back on god because i'm not willing to let him mm-hmm. be first in my heart and first in my life mm-hmm. so thankfulness for what he's done i i can't it, for what he's done, he's done everything, right? Right. Mm. There's nothing else anyone can do than what he did on the cross. Right. And then he rose from the dead and he gave us the power to live mm-hmm. for him, mm-hmm. for those that really know him, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, thankfulness, putting God right in the center of my heart yeah. and mind. Well, I think it's interesting too, because if you do a study, I think, I think if you did a study in the New Testament on thankfulness, mm-hmm. that almost every time you'll see it connected with holiness. Mm-hmm. Be holy and thankful. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that uh, just to sort of jump off of what uh, Venus was saying, um, our relationship with sin is meant to be one of repentance. We're going to sin every day. But yeah. the, the difference between myself and a non-believer is that the faith given to me by Christ gives me the capacity to repent every day. Repentance isn't something I do the day I get saved and then never again. Yeah. It's something I do that day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And the Holy Spirit gives me unction, gives me ability to know what to repent for. And we can, even if we don't know what to repent for, we can say, God, show me my sin. Yeah. That's a scary prayer. Because we can always repent for the church in general. Right. You know what I mean? I'm a part of God's, the church of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And we as a body Mm -hmm. have somewhat to repent for. We would even have prayers of confession at church where... 
as an elder, I would lead the service and we would do corporate repentance. Mm -hmm. God, forgive us for disunity. Mm. God, forgive us for lack of fellowship. And, you know, that repentance is meant to be flowing out of us all the time. And it's, and it's governed and given by the holiness of God. And that's part of being a follower of Christ, right? Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Mark, uh, Dana, for being with us. You're and welcome. Cote, uh, jumped in and, uh, and joined us as well. It's, it's nice to be on this side of the microphone this <laughs> time. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure to, to talk about this really important topic, and we'll look forward to, uh, to some more. Mm. All right. This has been a broadcast of Arrowhead Radio, a ministry of Arrowhead Native Bible Center. For interesting crafts and resources, visit our Pinterest boards at pinterest.com slash ANBCNCEM. Look for a new episode next week, wherever you find your favorite podcasts.